Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I have no idea how or what this next person's going to say. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, we just trust the Lord. We just trust the Lord. Um, how many of you have been blessed by uh, Elise and Bella's presence here? Um, she's the encouragement that we've needed. They are the encouragement that we've needed in order to get to where God's calling us. So the Lord asked me to tell, ask her, I was praying, and, and it just was really strong. Like, I need to just ask her to share whatever it is that she is led to share with us. And I said, tell us what we need to hear. Because she's moving to Alaska, and she's still going to be involved with stuff here. Uh, she's uh, committed to stay up with uh, the MIT program via Zoom. Uh, you know, she and I, I, we haven't worked out all those details, but she's like, I, she's got two homes now. Um, so, um, and with that in mind, will you guys welcome Elise McLean, please? Good morning, family. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to start out with prayer. So, Lord, we just thank you that you're speaking to us through your word today. We remain humble before you. We open our hearts, um, and we just thank you, God, that we're growing closer to you and with each other in Jesus' name. So, Harvest Valley, I love you guys so much. I'm probably going to tear up a little bit. Um, next Sunday is our last Sunday um, with you guys until we come back next summer and visit. Um, so bear with me if I get a little emotional, it's just because I love you guys so much. Um, so when I think about Harvest Valley, what stands out to me the most is how well you guys love. You guys just love really, really, really well. And so I want to thank you for that. And the other thing that stands out is how generous you are. Man, you guys are generous. As being your bookkeeper, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. Chris and Darcy will tell you. You guys make me tear up on a weekly basis just about. I'm just in awe. You know, um, and I just feel like it's just a privilege and an honor to be a part of a family that gives so much. And you guys give out of your need. Like there's some of you that are just in some really tough situations and you still give like what Paul was talking about. And it just, it's, man, it really moves me. So I just want to thank you for being you. Um, some of the words the Lord's been giving us as a body here is he wants us to go higher. He wants us to go deeper. He's really had this in this place of purification, of pruning, um, of seeking him and seeking his presence. And as Chris really came out of a place of performance, and for those of you that aren't familiar with the term performance, get with one of the MIT students or Chris, because um, the Lord is in the process of delivering us all from that, um, which is Paul, Lisa, Ben, Anna Lee, um, I'm missing somebody, Kevin. Kevin, oh gosh, sorry, Kevin, yes, and Kevin, and myself, um, and performance, and where it comes from a lot of times is because we're either doing it for value, or like, 
I got to check this list off so I can be good enough to come to God. It can be all different kinds of things, but basically what it means is that we're um, almost like our motives are off a little bit, you know, like it's, and, and it's that thing where we learn to count on grace and come before God with all that we are, whether we're a mess, whether we got together or whatever, and lean into who he is. Um, and so as Chris has walked through that, there's such an impartation for all of us. And the Lord really wanted me to touch on a few things with you guys today. And the first thing he wanted me to talk about is just we need to be cognizant of the influences around us. Uh, Matthew 10, 16, he says, be wary, be wise as serpents, be innocent, harmless, guileless, without falsity as doves. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he tells us, be sober, well-balanced, self-disciplined, be alert and cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now, this is not like where we have to be afraid and be like, oh, God, I got to white knuckle it because I'm scared of what the devil is going to do. It's not that. It's like I, I um, can equivalent it to when I was downrange. And for those of you that don't know, I have a military background. So when I was downrange in any kind of combat zone, I wore my body arm at all times. I even slept in it. I had no problem with it. I didn't even care if it was 130 degrees because if you guys can see what shrapnel and what rocket-propelled it really motivates you to wear your body armor. I didn't really care. Like, you know, it was one of those things. And so it's kind of like one of those things with this where the Lord gives us that ability to be sober, to be vigilant, just to be aware. Darcy was talking about this um, at one of our staff days recently of what he's doing. And again, it's not in a place of striving. It's just, you know, just like soldiers. They got to be aware of who their enemy is. And so it's that place of that. Um, and when we talk about influence, right, there's regional influences, which I don't know about you guys, but the series on Joel just completely blessed me. But there's regional influences here, right? There's pride. There's independence. There's the lack of honoring authority. Um, there's the poverty spirit, which a lot of times causes the lack, the envy. Um, a lot of times the dishonoring authority is coming from that. Um, selfishness. You know, I'm so worried about myself. I can't be worried about you. Um, and then there's the national and the worldly influences we too, see too, like the lawlessness, the cancel culture, you know, the, um, again, you see the lack of regard of authority, um, disrespect, uh, the, it's all about me, um, the victim mentality, the entitlement mentality, you know, just some of those things that we see. Um, and so we just have to be aware of that. So when it starts influencing us in a way <laughs> that it's not supposed to, we go back to Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life, and he gives us those abilities. So, um, and it's been really interesting because for those of us that have been on a journey recently um, as far as pride goes, and we won't even be talking to each other, and the Lord will correct us on pride. And for me personally, that's probably one of the um, most prevalent sins that the Holy Spirit convicts me of often is pride. Um, and so these verses, it's more than pride, but I'm going to read them over us and then I'm going to talk about them. So Philippians 2, 1 through 5 in the Passion Translation. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions. 
for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. So you see the how of this verse is really in verses 3 through 5. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Many theologians believe that pride is the root of sin, Genesis 3. Um, but I thought it'd be a good time to just cover what pride actually is. It's actually a lot of things. I know when I first started, when the Lord started giving me downloads about five or six years ago, I was kind of like shocked um, on what pride is. So it's selfish ambition. It's selfish promotion. It's exalting yourself, you know. I mean, like, I don't know about you guys. There's times where I take credit for something where the, only the Lord should get credit. Um, conceit, arrogance, presumption, strife. Presumption is like where we presume to know something or we presume to know better. Um, haughtiness, thinking you're better than others. Haughty eyes are full of pride and look down upon others, which often leads to judgment. It also leads to 30 third-party offenses, which the Lord's been speaking to us a lot about not being offended, right? And for all the moms in the room, you know what I'm talking about, because whether you have natural children or not, a lot of us women, we have those mama bear hearts, okay? You mess with my kids and I'll rip your face off without even batting an eyelash. So I know that about myself, so I have to remember, you know, like, for example, like, because um, I work with Chris and Darcy very closely on the staff. So I have to watch that in myself because when somebody hurts Chris or Darcy, let me tell you, the mama bear wants to come out, you know? And it's like, no, calm down, Elise. Jesus is here. You don't need to, you know, like those kind of things. And they do come up, you know? And I feel that way about this nation, too, you know? And we all have those areas in our lives where God's given us a passion for but we have to watch out for those third-party offenses, which, again, there's that pride and there's that judgment there where I know better than you kind of thing. Um, it also causes us to lie about ourselves and others. A lying tongue assassinates other people's character by lies or gossip, and that's pride-centered. And this, is, this next one is what really got me. This is where the Lord's been really convicting me for about five or six years, and I'm not there yet, Okay. Relying on your own strength. So I'll say that one more time just in case it didn't go through. Relying on your own strength versus God's strength and grace. And so, like for me personally, I couldn't rely on my parents to really take care of me. They did the best they could. But from the time I was little, 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 I've worked, I've taken care of myself. Um, didn't really have a whole lot of trust for those in authority. So it was like, yeah, 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 you can talk this, this, and this, but I'm always going to have a plan A, B, and C without you because I know I can't rely on anyone. And so when I, and I wasn't raised knowing the Lord, so when I started getting to know the Lord, it was like, you mean I have to rely on you? Are you kidding me? I can't rely on anyone. And so the Lord's really been in this process of delivering me from pride in that area of, you know, and then I'm a single parent. I mean, there's other things like that where it can be real easy to take that on, um, and the other thing, which I think we see a lot in our nation right now, is being wise in our own opinions. Opinions. Exalting our opinion above God's. Holman Bible Dictionary defines it as undue confidence in and attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, possessions, or position. It's high-mindedness. And don't we see that in our culture all the time? 
You know, this is the achievement culture. We gotta achieve, achieve, achieve. We gotta success, have success, success, success. But then that also becomes performance too. You know, cause we gotta do that we gotta do that we gotta do that we gotta do. And if any of you guys have been um, on the other side of that, a man eventually gets so empty. It's exhausting. I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful that's in the rear view mirror. Amen. Amen. Um, and then the Holman um, commentary says, Pride is rebellion against God because it attributes to self the honor and glory due to God alone. Proud persons do not think it necessary to ask forgiveness because they don't admit their sinful condition. This attitude towards God finds expression in one's attitude towards others, often causing people to have a low estimate of the ability and worth of others and therefore to treat them with either contempt or cruelty. So, and I know one thing like Chris has been really challenging us on is believing the best in others. You know, and I find, I don't know about you guys, but I really have to watch myself because let me tell you, an hour of the news, mm. especially when, I know there's other ones in here, but I'm really passionate about this nation. So, you know, I, I watch like an hour of that or other things like that, you know, or, oh, how about, how about I'm in the middle of a task and I need something done and somebody's doing it and they're not doing it the way I want it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, all those different things. Oh, they're not doing it my way. Or he's not leading the nation the way I want him to. Or she's not doing this, you know. Um, and I think it's just so wise that we just learn to recognize those thoughts and cast them down. Because love believes the best in others. And love never fails. It never fails. Um, and the, two of the things that Jesus warned us about the most are the religious and the political spirit. So um, in some of those areas, we just have to be careful. You know, um, especially in the areas we're passionate about. There's another area of pride, and it's unbelief. Unbelief is often camouflaged as pride. So Caleb and Joshua, right? You guys know the story for the most part. I think all of you do. They're getting ready to take the promised land, you know, and the spies get sent in. Ten spies came back with a negative report. The only two that came back with a God report was Caleb and Joshua. And those 10 were operating in the wisdom of the day. Oh, but there's giants. They're going to get us, and we can't do it. And then a lot of people would have considered Caleb and Joshua to be prideful. Like, who are they? Who do they think, you know? But they were confident in God. In Numbers 14, 11, it says, How long will these people treat me with contempt? He thundered to Moses. How long will they refuse to believe? And if you look at this situation, God was not happy with the crowd mentality. What they thought... Humility was, it wasn't. Their unbelief was pride. They were basing their calculations on what the natural circumstances looked like, what they could do in the natural, and their own wisdom, ability, and strength. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 7 says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made, their Lord, have made the Lord their hope and confidence. And so it's just that fresh reminder to rely on him. And when we're not, it's pride. We just need to repent. And I'm going to go on back into Philippians in the next verse. For they, for they will only harm your cherished unity. So it was pride-filled opinions will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Pride-filled opinions harm unity. Wow. We see it every day, don't we? Yeah. Every day. No matter where you look. And I don't know about you, but something's got to change. And it starts with us. <laughs> you know, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, For those who that are called by his name, who humble themselves, who pray, who 
who seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, he will come and heal our land. And it starts with us in the house of God. You know, and I don't mean this in a striving performance way. I mean in a way where we get humble and we say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And where we're humble enough to go, you know what? I'm wrong. Lord, I repent. I need to fix this. Or I need you to help me to fix this because I can't do it on my own. And think about how bad we need unity in our day and time, right? In our homes, in our relationships, in our communities, in our nation, the world. There's so much division and strife. And that's the enemy. The lawlessness, all that stuff, that's the enemy. And so it's just a time where for the people of God to turn, to turn to God and allow him to do this in us. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in our hearts. Guard our hearts, like I was just referencing with those thoughts. You know, we see things. We all see, see, see things. And then also we need to be humble enough to allow the people in our lives who see it too to say something and not to react with pride, but to go, you know what, you're right. That was wrong. In that verse, it talks about authentic humility. Let's talk humility. 1 Peter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. So, we can see here too that when we try to carry those cares that we're supposed to cast, that's also a form of pride. Like we're supposed to lay that stuff on him. And I don't know about you, but when you're trying to carry it on your own, it feels like a million pounds is on your shoulders. When you finally give it over to the Lord, you're like, why didn't I do this years ago? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you feel free and light. And it's like, man, why was I trying to do this all on my own? The hand of God always speaks of his ability, power, might, or strength. It's his armor. And so it's that place of trusting God, and he'll exalt, he'll exalt us. He'll put us in the place we're supposed to be if we humble ourselves. So how does this translate practically? We're to humble ourselves under God's might and strength, his ability. We refuse to allow human ideas and experiences, ours or others, to rise above the word of God. Instead, we believe, regardless of our natural reason or logic, and allow his word and his Holy Spirit to dictate our lives. And it's all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. Colossians 3 tells us to clothe ourselves in humility. Ephesians 4.2 says, be gentle and humble. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I want grace. <laughs> I've tried to do it all on my own, and that is not fun. It's, it's very weighty, so I'd rather be in grace. So <laughs> I want to take the humble road. Um, and again, it's in the Old Testament too, not just the New Testament. Habakkuk 2.4, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Wow, Habakkuk 2.4 portrays faith and pride as polar opposites. I don't know about you, but the first time I read that, I was like, huh? I was like, wow. And humility is often mistaken in our culture as being weak, spineless. Um, it's actually quite the opposite. God's humble, and he's the model. He's the image bearer. We're made in his image. It's actually a good thing. The enemy just tries to twist it. And often, like we just talked about with Caleb and Joshua, when you're truly humble, humble sometimes the world says you're prideful or arrogant. But if you're audacious in the Lord, it's a good place to be because they entered the promised land. So, and the enemy has worked hard to pervert this definition of humility. Um, 
soft-spoken, weak in demeanor, non-confrontational, which sometimes, don't get me wrong, the Lord may call us to that, but there's other times where, in fact, I'm just going to say it, the righteous are as bold as lions, and there's some of you that just need to wake up and be bold for the Lord. The time is now. The church has sat in the pews for long enough. It's time for us to rise up and be who we're supposed to be. Um... And so as we've missed this true meaning, a lot of time it's like we're unworthy worms, we're incapable, we're weak, we're afraid. True humility is absolute dependence and obedience to God. It puts him first, others second, ourselves last. It's not self-demanding. It has everything to do with living boldly, resentlessly, relentlessly, excuse me, in the power of God's free gift of grace. And then Paul also cautions against false humility, which we see that a lot today too in um, Colossians 2.18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, he warns, take, taking delight in false humility. The ten spies in the Tibbet nation of, of Israel illustrate how false humility can actually cost us our God-intended reward. They didn't get into the promised land because of false humility, and we see that there. They're like, no, the giants are too big. We just can't do it. We're just going to sit here. You know, which we all do that in different ways. But I hope that we can be encouraged and emboldened by the example of Joshua and Caleb. Their reasoning seemed sound, logical, prudent. It was the, you know, world's version of like, no, we can't do it. We're just going to be, you know, we're just going to sit here in our box and color. Sometimes we need to get outside the box and color. They cheated not only themselves, but also their family and their nation. The destiny. There's a lot of people who miss their destiny due to false humility. With Joshua's leader, the new generation of Israelites entered boldly, humble in the power of God's mighty hand, and they conquered. And it's time, y'all. It's time. I'm going to read a quote from John Bevere. It takes genuine humility to have faith because when you're humble, you rely on and trust in God's ability to pull you through. It's his grace, not our own ability. If the ten spies had humbly relied on God's promises, they would have moved out and conquered the land. They would have submitted to the word of the Lord rather than their limited strength and human reasoning, and thus they would have been submitted to one another under the same mission. Okay, and then we see the example again with David. So when he went out, his father sent him out to check on his brothers, and Goliath was boasting against the Lord. And he was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And his brother Eliab is like, I know your pride and insolence. Like he'd immediately accused him of pride and insolence. What a direct rebuke. But David, David was the giant killer. And he didn't kill him in Saul's armor. He didn't put on what the world told him to put on. He took the rock that God had trained him to use back when he was fighting just the lion and the bear, keeping the sheep, you know, and elevated him to this level. But he used what God had trained him to use, and he conquered like Caleb and Joshua, David was viewed as arrogant and proud by those who trusted in their own strength. And as I look at Caleb and Joshua and as I look at David, another thing about them is that they honored authority. Has anyone in here ever read The Three Kings? Whew. For anyone who's a leader, I recommend you read that yearly. It will just rock you. It's about David's humility. And if you read about David, how many times did Saul attack him? How many times did Saul do all these things? Yet... He remained humble. He really portrayed Jesus' words to us about blessing those who persecute us. I mean, over and over and over. And um, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I would have punched Saul in the face a long time ago. 
I would have. I probably would have smashed his face in my kneecap, honestly, long, long, long time ago, you know? But David shows us the way. So I'm a little violent, y'all. Bear with me, okay? Chris and Darcy are laughing because I hear it during the week, but yeah. God's working on me. So. <laughs> um. But yeah, they, he honored authority, and that's another thing that's so prevalent right now. Um, and we really have to watch ourselves on that, especially we're dealing with a regional stronghold here. And I was raised here, so trust me, y'all know. I know God was laughing when I joined the military. Oh, he was laughing. Like, really? Because <laughs> I didn't know anything about honoring authority. Okay, I was a hot mess. Thank God for patient leaders, you know, who taught me. Guess what? It's not all about you, and there's a lot bigger picture out there. <laughs> and this is about us as a team. Yeah. Like in the Army, when you can't get along, well, especially in my generation, if you have two that can't go get along, they go have you live in a pup tent together for a week. No showers. Like you go to work, you come back to the pup tent. After that week, it's amazing how well we get along with each other. <laughs> you know? And so some of those things, you know, with honoring each other, honoring authority, I think are really big. First Timothy 2.1. I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with intense passion and pray for every political leader and representative so that we'd be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. Okay, don't get up and walk out on me. I know I'm in North Idaho, okay? If you don't have the same burden for President Biden's soul as you had for President Trump's, there's a problem. Okay? We're supposed to pray for and honor them. I don't like some of the things that he does either, but guess what? President Trump did ungodly things too. And if you're harder on President Biden than you were on President Trump, then you probably need to go before the Lord and have him deal with you about honoring authority. Like I said, don't get up and walk out, okay? I have a lot of the same viewpoints that you do, okay? Um, and are you praying for President Biden as much as you're complaining about him? Are you praying about the mayor of Sandpoint as much as you're complaining about him? Are you praying about your husband as much as you're complaining about him? Are you praying for your boss at work as much as you're complaining about him? Like, it's, it's that real stuff, and trust me, I'm, I'm right there with you, okay? The Lord taught me how to honor when I wasn't being honored, because that's the true test of leadership when you're working for somebody that doesn't honor you, that treats you like crap, that hurts you and your family. Been through that, done, done there, been there. And it's, but you know what? I look back and I'm so thankful that me and my girls went through that because, man, our character on the other side of it, wow. And David was that same example. Like, if you look at everything he went, to, went through, it's like, man, you know? And I have to tell you, I really have to work at not picking up those third-party offenses at work because when Chris left for that 15, 16 months, and I'm probably going to touch some nerves here, but some, some of us had unhealthy attachments with Chris. And you walked away from the church... And you got, I'm going to use army lingo, okay? You got your panties all in a wad and walked off and left the church because Chris took a break. Because Chris and Mika needed a break. Have you ever been in a leadership position? Do you know what it's like? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of compassion and empathy. I worked around a lot of leaders my entire life. I've been a leader. When I was a junior leader, I used to go, oh, when I get this, I'm going to do da 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 It's just like when you're a kid and, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm never going to do that. And then you find yourself doing it. You know, it's kind of those things, like leadership's hard, you guys. There's a cost and a sacrifice. 
that not only them, but their family pays. And where's the compassion of the church? Where's the empathy? Where are we? We need to be praying for them, not be like, and I have to watch myself with Chris because I work with him all through the week. I know his integrity. I know his character. I know his weaknesses. I know his strengths. I know all that. We do of each other because we work so closely with each other. And so when I see people attacking his character or doing other things, I go, okay, mama bear, calm down. (laughs) You know, and it's the same way with Darcy, you know, um, of just watching each other. But we as a body have an invitation as an upgrade in learning how to honor authority. And honestly, some of us, it starts with our spouses. Some of us, it starts with our supervisors. Some of us, it starts with Chris. He shouldn't have to ask us six or seven times to quiet down when we're going into something. I love you all. I'm part of it too. Trust me. I probably repent to Chris at least twice a week, don't I? <laughs> but it's, it, it's time, guys. it's time to honor those in authority and pray. It's time to, like, there's an upgrade. There's an upgrade. And for, for marriages, there's an upgrade, you guys. Some of you that felt like you've been in a battle for a long time and you feel like, I have no words, okay? Just read the facial expression. There's an upgrade. We just need to humble ourselves, honestly. And as Chris often says, we have to give more weight to what God is doing than what the enemy is doing, believing the best. And so, we've, you know, I've shared some different areas. I think all, lots of areas can apply to it here. Um, it may even be your kids, Okay. So for those of you, you guys know my 12-year-old. She's 12 going on 35, and I have to humble myself with her all the time, you know, because she is a leader, as you guys know. (laughs) And so, you know, I just, I have to humble myself. There's times where I'm like, like last week I was getting all huffy and puffy and I was wrong. And then just like the Holy Spirit, this thing pops up on my YouTube about having peace-filled communication with your kids. And I'm like, wow, I was just really huffy today. Got upset. And it was all because she did something I didn't want. She did something, and I wanted to do it a different way. Oh, pride. No? Don't get me wrong. There's a place for discipline and correction, too. But honestly, I was just huffy and puffy and prideful. So I repented to her. She laughed, gave me a hug, forgave me. Thank God. Chris has a friend named Matt Wakefield, and um, they've had a huge, huge, I don't even have words for transformation at their church in Texas. And they've really worked hard to um, create an environment of teachability and humility. And he says we trade empowerment for teachability and humility. And so there's just, I know I keep saying it, but there's an upgrade in teachability and humility for all of us if we choose to accept. It's up to us. Chris Valentin was given a prophetic word, um, I think, last year. And there's been many other prophetic words. I know, like, Papa, you got it too. Humility is the way forward. It's, it's. It's the way forward. We have to follow God's example and not our own. And to close out the scripture verses that I read in the beginning, abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. In another translation, part of those words is in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. And I know it's countercultural, especially like my generation. Like I'm 46, so I think we were one of the Maybe our parents, too, were the generation where it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. We see it all over our culture all the time. It's all about me. What do I get out of that? 
And so to come against that, you know. And it's the questions like, am I loving the one in front of me? Or am I just thinking about what I'm going to say next so I can improve, so I can give my own pride-filled opinion? Am I really listening? Do I really care what's going on with them? Am I thinking about their needs? Am I me-focused or others-focused? Like how this really convicted me. How many times when people are in front of me am I even focused on them? (laughs) Honestly. How have I considered others more significant than my own needs or concerns today? Like today, how have I considered others' needs more significant than my own? Because honestly, if we trust the Lord, we know he's going to we know he's going to protect and provide. And I think that's really where it's at. And I uh, me personally, I've had to repent of a lot of self-protection because I walked in a lot of self-protection for years. Brick walls up. And the Lord has just been removing brick by brick. He's been so gentle and gracious because if I trust him, I don't have to protect myself. And that's a lot of times where we're at. We're protecting ourselves. And if we take those areas to the Lord, he'll heal us from our wounds and he'll set us free. And then we'll help set others free. Are we burdened for souls? Are we burdened for our community, for our nation? Um, When Chris was preaching in the Joel series, when he talked about, like, are we burdened for the land? Are we crying out for it? Or we're just like, oh, God, here we go, the Democrats. The land's going to hell. You know, and don't get me wrong, because I have to fight that stuff, too. I do. But guess what? There's Republicans doing the same crap, if we're honest. Okay? So we just have to not get in that political spirit, you know? And we have to pray, and we have to believe. And, and again, be burdened, like, you know? Because it's so easy to get caught up in the, you know? And then my last comment to us is on authority. Do I honor authority? So each of you know who you're in authority under. Submission's not a bad word. Lisa got up here and said it, I think, like the last week or two. It's not a bad word, honestly. It's God's way. Do you honor your supervisor at work? Do you honor your spouse? Do you honor those in authority positions in our county, our city, state, region, nation, across the world? Do you pray for them? Are you just complaining about them? I'm, I'm preaching to myself too, okay? Just so you know. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave with you guys, leave you guys with those questions. Um, and, um, and I'm going to just say a prayer and I'll give it back to Chris. So Lord, we thank you for the invitation, for the upgrades, and we submit to your leadership. We allow you to prune us. God, we allow you to come in to heal the wounds we won't hide and shame and guilt and all these other things. God, we just come boldly before you in all of our brokenness, and we thank you, God, that you're healing us, you're setting us free, and that we were born for such a time as this, and we're not going to sit on the sidelines anymore, Lord. We're going to take our position and our authority in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Amen. So at least you're going to be here next week? Okay, so we'll do the send-off prayer next week. Okay. Um, so, so how many of you received some good nuggets out of that?
Some of them he didn't want to hear. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But it's really good because we're, we are called higher. Then where you are today, God's called you higher. Yeah. Wherever you think you're at, it's humility. Yeah. It says, I've not arrived. I have not yet attained. But God has put this thing in front of me, and I'm going to go after that. Amen. Um, two passages I want to read and just piggyback on Elise. I, I felt like I, I wasn't going to prepare notes just because I didn't had no idea how long you were going to go. And I kind of want to button up on a, a concept here of taking the territory because she has an anointing for that. Um, Matthew 16, um, when, in verse 13, says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then Jesus told them, be quiet, tell nobody. The gates of Hades, the, the gates of hell, is a defense. It's not an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon. Gates hold things out. So when we consider where we are going, it is where the gates are. We have to have our eyes set on where the gates of hell are in our community. Because actually, that's where the promised land is for us. The promised land has been bound by the enemy, and it is our job to bring the freedom of Jesus where the enemy is at play and at work. You do not overcome the gates of hell through striving. You don't overcome by coming up with your own strategy. The way that we are able to go in is we release the kingdom of heaven where the gates of hell have been entrenched. We establish what heaven should look like when we see hell. And so often it's easy for us to complain that this looks like hell. Instead of say, I can bring heaven in here. I can bring the Spirit of the Lord into a place that is corrupt and evil. I can bring healing where there's been addiction, which Freedom House is doing. Right? There, there's this reality of entering into the promised land that has everything to do with our humility and our faith. The promised land has been occupied by the enemy, and it is our call to establish our territory where the enemy has been. We often will have a hard time seeing it or understanding it because we think it's supposed to look a certain way, and so then we don't even press in. 
or we're afraid of being tainted by the world. In Joshua chapter 1, speaking of taking the land, We've been doing a series on presence. This is an encounter with God that Joshua had. Now, Joshua became familiar with God by being at Moses' right hand. When, when, when Moses went to get to the Ten Commandments, you know who was with Moses was Joshua. It says they went up the hill together. So Joshua would sit outside the tent of meeting and listen he knew the voice of God. So, God says to Joshua, after Moses dies, says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." He lays out the land, right? Here's the territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God has given us a promise at the cross. The promise that he gave was redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He gave us this promise of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling the temple of God, which is us. We see this played out in the New Testament, and we see that everywhere the church went, the world was turned upside down. God is with us. And we can turn North Idaho upside down. The gates of hell is a promise. Because they will not prevail. They will not prevail. But it does start with what's in our hearts. So thank you for that word, Elise. Let's pray. Will you stand? Father, we receive with humility the words that Elise spoke today. We recognize where our heart has been puffed up with pride, where we think that we know better than the people that you've appointed to lead. <laughs> God, I've caught myself so many times thinking I know better. But God, you have placed people in authority. Teach us how to establish the kingdom of heaven where we see the gates of hell. Father, remove all fear from our hearts to be bold in your kingdom. 
so that we might say the words of life instead of speaking the words of death, that we might bring peace when there's turmoil. And when there's division on the rise, may we be the ones that release unity and walk it out with strength and with honor. Father, we are hungry for your presence. We are hungry for more of you. I thank you that you give promises for the sake of inheritance and for the sake of legacy. Father, may we be a people whose focus is not on what's in it for us, but on the legacy. Lord, we're asking for a transformation in our hearts. Father, I thank you that every person in this room has hell swimming around them. And there's gates everywhere they turn. There's never a missing opportunity to establish the kingdom of heaven in their life. I thank you, God, that they can turn to the left or to the right, and they can see where heaven needs to go. Forgive us for being afraid of what's around us. Instead, God, we, we take up the mantle of authority that you've placed on us through the power of your spirit to say that we will bring your kingdom where there is darkness. We will release light where there has been darkness, and we will establish your kingdom in the places in our families where there has been hell. We will establish your kingdom in this region where there has been uh, pain and death and suffering. Forgive us for being so selfish to not press into the dark places for fear of what it might cost us. Father, we, we get it all from you, <laughs> and we can entrust it all to you. So, God, I'm asking that you would raise courage in our hearts. Raise courage in our hearts. The next thing you say to Joshua is be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Father, I'm asking that you would strengthen and encourage your people today to recognize what is inside of them and to let it out. We thank you for Elise. We thank you so much for her words of encouragement and strengthening the body. We thank you, God, that she was bold today and willing to say hard things for our benefit. We thank you, God, that she's a woman of valor, a woman of might, a woman of mighty character. And Father, we just thank you so much for this family. We thank you, God, that, that we are able to walk together into the darkness, that we are not alone. You've put us on a team to storm gates together. Father, I pray that we would have the humility to be honest about where the gates of hell are in our lives. Give us the humility to say, I'm struggling here, and I don't know where heaven is in this place.
so that we might come together and release through your power and authority the kingdom of heaven where the gates of hell have been entrenched. We thank you, God, that you're changing the narrative in our hearts. And you're changing the narrative of this region. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.